0: Well welcome this morning. Uh, I'm excited to see you guys. I know that um, a a number of our faith men are out at the beach for their beach weekend finishing that up right now. So I um, am excited to hear what the Lord has done with them this weekend out on the coast. I'm a little bit jealous although not as jealous as if it were warm. So that's all right. I hope they've been having a great time together in fellowship. Um, wanted to just give you a quick update on our AV fundraiser. Um, most of you know uh, we have been in the process of uh, uh, raising $20,000 as our goal for um, updated, upgraded uh, audiovisual equipment and um, digital technology upgrades so that Faith Church can reach more people more effectively for the kingdom of God and his glory. So we are in the process of that. We have already um, surpassed a 15% of, of that $20,000. So, thank you for those of you who are giving um, above uh, your regular tithes and offerings. We are making great progress. And so, um, the leadership has begun to start making, um, going ahead with some of those upgrades. So, I'm excited to uh, share those with you as we get the, the, uh, those rolling. So, thank you. And um, if that's something that you would like to partner uh, with the body here on, uh, you can go and to faithstatesville.org and make a, um, a donation there. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, you can always talk to um, the MLT, uh, Andy, Charles, all of them. All right. Let's see. couple things for your calendar. Women, faith women, we have our game night coming up on March 2nd, which is this Saturday, correct? This Saturday. All right. We are so excited. We're going to be Meeting for fellowship and food and fun. And we would love for all women um, to join us for that. 13 and up, you are welcome to come and be silly and connect relationally. Get to know other women at Faith Church. Our game night, 5 to 8, this Saturday. If you are coming... We would love for you to register so we can prepare um, for you. And if you're coming, we would love for you to bring food, um, so just something to share, whether it's a dessert or a casserole or an appetizer, we'd love for you to bring food if you're able. Uh, we would just ask that you see Amber Beatty in the back after service um, to so that we can spread the food out so we know how many desserts, so we don't end up with, you know, 80 desserts and one pizza um, <laughs> y'all are good cooks so we want to we want to um, enjoy um, enjoy your gifting <laughs> so please see Amber in the back um, so we can uh, get you signed up for um, what you are uh, able to bring to that game night and we will look forward to a fun evening together. also this Wednesday faith followers you are meeting at 6:30. that's our third through fifth grade discipleship program um, with our faith kids. this Wednesday we have our faith followers gathering at 6 30 so we hope to see you and a friend there and lastly uh, our kingdom equipping series uh, where we are bringing in guest speakers uh, to impact us to be able to impact uh, the kingdom of God is starting off that series is starting off with Putty Putman our guest speaker coming in March 22nd through the 24th. Make sure you mark your calendar. He's going to be speaking here um, to our School of Kingdom Ministry students. And then he will, we will be doing an all-community meeting with all of Faith Church and anyone and everyone that you would like to bring uh, to listen to Putty and um, see what the Lord wants to do together with him March 22nd through 24th. He'll be talking about identity and worldview. So please, please, please make sure you mark your calendar for that. Also, our ministry team is up here on the front row ready for you. Uh, it's Amy and Andy, Jen Bovi, Vanessa. We would love for you guys um, to uh, pursue the Lord in prayer with our ministry team. They're available both during the beginning worship set as well as the reflection time. So if there's anything that you um, would like to seek the Lord uh, for with them, we would encourage you to come on up um, and do that with them. All right. If you would stand with me as we ready our hearts through prayer um, just to engage the Lord in what he wants to do this morning. We're just going to listen for a minute. Come Holy Spirit. God, you are the God of gods. You are the king of kings, Jesus. Every tongue, every knee, everything must bow to you. Anything on earth, anything that's physical, anything below the earth, anything above the earth, anything that's spiritual, God, all must bow to you in your mighty name, Jesus. God, we thank you that we are yours. (laughs) I thank you, God, that I can say you are mine and that I am yours. And so, Father, we come in that place, that right identity this morning, God, that we belong to you, that we are surrendered to you, Father. So, Lord, in that place, I pray that you would meet us. God, help us yield to you this morning. Help us yield to to what you're calling us to. Help us receive, yield in receiving what you want to bring to us this morning, Holy Spirit. But most of all lord i ask that you would equip us to worship you in spirit and in truth because that is what you are worthy of god we love you we want more of you jesus come and meet with us father come and meet with us come holy spirit in jesus name amen all right well let's just
1: continue standing as we worship the lord through song i do want to introduce things this morning um with with a verse that comes out of Hebrews 12. So uh, uh, Michael Bowie did a magnificent job last week, taking us in Hebrews and tying that to Leviticus. And I'm going to do that with a verse right here. So uh, basically what's being talked about here is things that are shaken. This world is shaking. Can we all say, yes, it is. Because the Lord is doing something in the earth today. And it's only those things that cannot be shaken that are going to remain. And so I wanted to say that because in verse 28, that's what he's talking about. And he says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. So as you bring him your worship this morning, would you do it with reverence? Would you do it with awe? Would you do it with passion? Because our God is an all-consuming fire. Sacrifices to the Lord. It was was detrimental and even deadly. So, Father, I pray right now that as we bring you an offering of worship, God, we don't bring lame sacrifices, half hearted sacrifices, lip service, words but no, no heart behind it, God. We bring you an offering of worship, God, that I pray will be pleasing to you, acceptable side It means to bow low. It means to bend down. How many times do we ever even leave the position of standing like statues? How many times do we really fall before the Lord, bend low, whether that's physically or even with our hearts and humility? So as you bring an offering of worship, give Him something. so shall we be afraid of this all-consuming fire? Yes and no. This all-consuming fire can be the judgment and the discipline of God, but this fire can also be our Lord's glory and majesty. Oh, your glory and your majesty. Lord, it's by your mercies that we're not consumed. It's by your mercies that we're not
2: consumed.
1: Thank Him for His mercy right now. Thank Him for His mercy because He is an all consuming fire and He has every right to consume us. I think about the fire at the tabernacle in that outer place, and they saw that smoke going up and they knew the presence of the Lord was there. Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be one of those that when people walk by, it's like they see a fire or a smoke. They just know the Lord's presence is near. Oh Jesus, we enter through your blood. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross.
3: rest here even as we, even as we open your word, Father. Father, I pray that it would be like in the book of Acts where Paul preached and the spirit fell. Uh, The spirit falling is not about revving up our emotions, but it's about acknowledging the truths and the presence of God. So, Spirit, would you fall? God, you are good, and we long to walk in that goodness, so speak to us through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Stay standing, 50 weeks in the word, each week, one chapter, one verse. We started Bible study last week, we're going to have some Bible study this week. We we did not read a chapter technically this week, we read an entire book of the Bible, which was Jude. Jude. It's only 25 verses, so it wasn't like we were reading Isaiah every day, but we were reading Jude every day, and we uh, we memorized uh, Jude uh, verse 25. And so, this is for people who have signed up to do this every week. If you haven't signed up, if you uh, if you've committed uh, and you forgot, no shame anywhere. Just. Jump back in next week, and if you want to join in with us, there's a box you can mark on your Connect card, Uh, but here's Jude 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Jude 25, and you may have a seat. I want to say thank you to uh, Michael Bovi for bringing the message last week. I was at a conference, I was helping lead a conference with Michael Miller of Remnant Radio, uh, and we were in uh, Gloucester City. It's not, you don't say it how it looks. Uh, Gloucester City, New Jersey. And from about Friday at 1 p.m. till about Sunday at, for me, at 10 o'clock, Uh, We did nothing but deliverance and training two churches there uh, in deliverance and how to do deliverance for their people. Um, So uh, thank you for allowing me to be gone. And secondly, thank you for being my guinea pigs uh, all these years where I was learning on you guys, and then now I get to go with at least some knowledge of what's going on to help spark this ministry in other churches. And I'll tell a couple stories as we go through um, this morning, uh, and we are continuing in our series, Purified for the Presence, a journey through Leviticus. We've been in Leviticus for a few weeks now, and we're all the way up into chapter 10, and this morning, we're going to talk about accessing the spiritual realm, right? Right, As a foundational core belief of uh, Christians in general, and uh, something that we focus on here is the fact that there is a a seen physical realm and an unseen realm that is real and it overlaps our realm, right? And so I think every Christian would say that, yes, we have access to the spiritual realm. Now, if you say it like that, some might say, well, hold on, what do you mean? But the way that everybody would agree is that we access the spiritual realm through prayer, Right, Because we are in the physical, and when we pray, we pray to a mediated Savior who is fully God and fully man still at the right hand of the Father. And we pray in the power of the Spirit to the mediating Savior who relays the message to the Father, essentially. And so we would say that, yes, we all have access to the spiritual realm. But as we think about this, we have to, uh, uh, we have to acknowledge that there is an evil spiritual realm alongside the good spiritual realm, and that people can access the evil spiritual realm the way they can access the good spiritual realm. And so today we're going to look in Leviticus chapter 10 about uh, people trying to access the spiritual realm in a counterfeit, illegal, inappropriate manner, and we'll see what happens to them. But just to recap before we jump in. Israel is a sacred space designed to host the presence of the Lord. And now, by virtue of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, all believers, you included, are sacred space. You are the new holy of holies. And all the sacrifices and offerings of Leviticus 1 through 9 are not for taking away sin, but for preparing the tabernacle and the people for the presence of God. And then two weeks ago when we were in Leviticus, the presence of God came in great power so much that the people fall on their faces with great shouting. And we talked just a little bit about the ways that people respond to the presence of God. So we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 10 right now, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And here's what it says. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord which he had not commanded them and the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord and then Moses said to uh, and then Moses said to Aaron this is what the Lord has said among those who are near me I will be sanctified and before all the people I will be glorified and Aaron held his peace And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near, carry your brothers away from the sanctuary and out of the camp. And so they came near and carried them in in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar, his sons, do not let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside to the entrance of the tent of meeting lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did as according to the word of Moses. And this is the word of the Lord. So there's a crime here. Crime against the most holy God. And if you just read this passage in, in, uh, in Leviticus... It's not actually explicitly stated when Nadab and Abihu did wrong that caused God's reaction. It says that they took fire from the altar. And that's okay. They're actually commanded to do that in places. But something that they did made it become unauthorized or unacceptable to God. And so while it's not explicitly stated, other passages may shed some light on what happened. In Leviticus 16.1, God is setting up the, the legalities for the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is the one day of the year that the high priest can enter into the Holy of Holies behind the veil. It's the only time. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But here's what it says. It says that the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two sons, the men we just read about, after the two sons of Aaron, When they drew near before the Lord and died. So they drew near to him, and then they died. And notice it didn't say that God killed them. It said that they died. Because them going into the presence of God in an unauthorized way, the the, uh, result was death. Right? So it wasn't like God struck out his hand. It's in his nature that if something unauthorized came before him, he would consume it. It's like when it's dark. And and this doesn't happen so much today with cell phones, but it was when it was dark in a pitch black room back in the day where you had cameras with flash on it, and you would take it, and the flash goes, and it blinds everybody, right? You don't blame the flash, because light is supposed to penetrate darkness. And holiness swallows up unholiness, especially in Leviticus. And so uh, he says, "'Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time "'into the holy place inside the veil,' before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So he's saying, don't be like Nadab and Avihu, who came before the Lord and died. Tell Aaron that if he's going to come before the Lord, that he's got to do all of these things, and he tells him all the things to do. So it looks like the men had penetrated the veil that separated... The holy place from the holy of holies. Where the priests could go to the presence of God. You've seen this a lot. So uh, they were just priests. They were not the high priest. So as priests they can go into the holy place. Which was the room right before where the Ark of the Covenant was. Where the presence of God was. But they went into the place where only the high priest was allowed to go. Which was the holy of holies. So they went beyond where they were supposed to go. In this situation. And then God tells Aaron that there are specific ways to enter the presence of God. Right after this happens, he doesn't leave them with just this this horror of these men being uh, being burned. He then goes to Aaron and he says, This is how you come into my presence. Or he goes to Moses to tell Aaron, This is how you come into my presence. You couldn't just decide to go into Holy of Holies. There was procedures and operations and only certain people could do it to make it permissible. And so I think that these men went into the Holy of Holies without following proper procedure with sacred space. They tried to access something of the spirit realm which is the pre- in this case was the presence of God without the proper permission. Okay? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Accessing spiritual places without proper permission. Because there are appropriate and inappropriate re- ways to access the spiritual realm. Imagine that I want to get some money. Right? I want to go to the bank and I want to get some cash out of my account. There's a proper way that I do it. I get in my car and I drive the speed limit to my bank. <laughs> and I pull into the parking lot. And I pull into the parking lot, and I park my car, and I go in, and I wait in line. My bank has had a problem lately with just one teller, and so I've been waiting for extra long, and so I don't get angry in this proper way to get money. I don't get angry. (laughs) I don't get frustrated. I sing hymns to myself. (laughs) And I go up, and I go to the, 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 the teller, and I hand her my little card that says, hey, this is my account number, and this is my name, and sometimes she'll ask me for my ID. And then I say, I'd like $40 in cash for my account. I'd like uh, that in 20s. And could I get that? And she says, yes. And she uh, does her, uh, her work on the computer, and the cash pops up, and she takes it, and she gives me the receipt, and she says, here. Here's your cash. And I walk out of that bank with my money. That's an appropriate way to access my money. An inappropriate way would be to go on Amazon, and to spend about $1,000 and get one of those really good Hollywood-grade masks that makes me look like an old person. And I get the requisite gloves that make me look like I have old hands as well. And I get a gun. I don't know where I'd get the gun because I don't, get it. I don't own any. But I'd get a gun, probably steal it in this situation, and I'd put it in the back of my waistband. And I would write a little note that said, um, give me all the money that you have access to right now. And I would walk into the bank. And I would uh, walk up to the teller and I'd walk like this because I have to play the part of an old man. And then I'd say, Here, read this note. And then I'd just kind of pull out my gun and show her and put it away. And then she would get scared and I'd say, Don't touch the alarm. You call the cops, everybody in here's dead. Right? I wouldn't really kill people. I'm just, this is the analogy, okay? (laughs) And then she would give me all the money and I would run outside to my car. And I would speed away, not on surface streets, on the back roads so the cops wouldn't catch me. That's the illegal way to get money. Okay? When we're accessing the spiritual realm, there is a legal way to access the spiritual realm. And then there is an illegal way to access the spiritual realm. Because what we have to understand is that Christians are not the only people who have access to divine spiritual beings, to divine spiritual places, or divine spiritual knowledge. And the problem really comes is that when Christians, who know the way that we should access the spiritual realm, right, who know and understand that, when we start going the ways that we're not supposed to, because if Christians access spiritual beings, places, or knowledge outside of Jesus, then bad things begin to happen. And it doesn't matter if you slap Christian labels on things. If you're going in illegally, you're going in illegally. Okay? So let, let's continue on. In illegal spiritual access, here's what I'm defining it as. It's trying to learn divine or spiritual knowledge, receive healing, or some other benefits from any source other than the Godhead. This is the first deception in the garden, right? Because Satan only lies one time to Eve. He says, hey, what about this tree here? And he says, well, we can't eat it, we can't touch it, we can't do anything because when we do, we'll die. And then Satan says one lie to her. He says, surely you won't die. You're not going to die. And then he tells her the truth. He says, for God knows that if you eat of that tree, that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. How do I know he wasn't lying? Because just a few verses later, God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Right? So Satan understands that there is spiritual knowledge and that there is spiritual things that you can access. But he wants you to disobey in order to get this access. He wants you, he wants you to, uh, uh, he didn't lie about the knowledge. He lied about the consequence of accessing, uh, of accessing this knowledge. He didn't lie that the knowledge was there. He just lied. He said, hey, it won't hurt you if you take it. Just take it. Just do it. You won't die. And there was spiritual knowledge that God didn't want mankind to have in that moment. Like, we have to live in that reality, that there are things that God knows that he doesn't want us to know right now. But I'm confident that God will tell you what you need to know when you need it. That he will give you what you need in the moments that you need it. And and, and there are consequences for people, Christian or not, who access spiritual knowledge illegally. Because to get counterfeit knowledge from the garden and beyond, from the time of Adam and Eve until now, to get access to knowledge that you shouldn't have, you have to disobey God. And when Nadab and Avihu wanted to access the presence of God illegally... They were consumed. And so we have to be careful the ways that we access this. Because God, this is a theme throughout uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. As he's giving them the law and as he's telling them what's good and what's right and what's not. In Deuteronomy 18 he says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. So he's saying, don't do what these other people are doing because you're supposed to be different because you are mine. How are they supposed to be different? There there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering or anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. So he can't, he, he just goes after everything that. Like you can't practice divination. You can't be trying to access spirits. Don't try to tell the future, and tell people what's coming, and tell their fortunes. Don't, don't read tea leaves. Don't inter- interpret omens. Don't, uh, don't look at a black cat and run away in fear. Don't be afraid to step on a crack for sake of your mother's back. Don't fear these omens. It says don't go to anybody who works black magic or who works charms or a medium who speaks to the dead, which is a necromancer, or somebody who asks questions of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So he's telling them, I'm kicking them out because they're doing all of these things that they're not supposed to be doing. Well, did that stop after Jesus? Not according to Paul. Because Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 20, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, rivalries, dissensions, and division. In Acts, uh, Paul runs into a man named Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon the Sorcerer, he works black magic and uh, he he gets saved at one of uh, Paul's uh, little revivals in town. And then he's following around the apostles. And as he's following them around, he is seeing that they are conveying power to people through the Holy Spirit. And he says, hmm, I want this power. But the only way that he knows how to get it is illegally. Because he's been tapping into the dark, evil realm. That's all he's been doing. So he goes up to the guys and he says, hey, how much do I have to pay you so you give me this power? And they say, Watch it. You're going to die. And they said, nope, I'm sorry. Don't want it then. Right? So Paul knows what he's talking about when he's talking about sorcerers. And then even at the final judgment in Revelation 22, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gate. And outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So even as John gets a revelation of who Jesus is, at the end of it, sorcerers go nowhere near the city that all of us who have white robes get to walk into. Let's talk about illegal access. And what I want you to understand is that Satan counterfeits. He counterfeits. So he takes good things that God has given and then he tweaks them to where they become unrighteous, unholy, illegal. So there are ways that God has chosen to speak to his people and Satan comes in and says, you don't need that, take this instead. But every time he wants to give a piece of knowledge to somebody or some other member of the spiritual realm wants to give knowledge to somebody, Somebody has to disobey God to get it. And so I've broken it down into three categories. Broken it down to witchcraft, new age, and false religions. And so we're going to talk about it. Witchcraft. I have Ouija boards at the top because they're the most accessible thing. You can probably find one in Goodwill every now and then. You could go to Walmart, Target, buy them off the shelves. I don't know how many people I've sat with. Dozens upon dozens upon dozens. You ever played with a Ouija board? Yes. And parents, listen to this. Teenagers, listen to this. How old were you? Ah, 13 or 14? Where did you do it? I was at a sleepover at a friend's house. 75% of the time, somebody admits to me that they've done a Ouija board, they've done it at a friend's house during a sleepover. Like, No joke. So you don't have one, but you might be sending your kids off to somebody who does and doesn't care and thinks it's fake. Because I've had people say, yeah, after that, strange things started happening in my house. I would go upstairs to put my pajamas on. I would come down and all my cupboards would be open. I had somebody have something attached to him and come home and his friend saw it in his closet and his friend never came back to his house. Right? There are tarot cards. So uh, at the conference we were at, um, we were up front, and, <laughs> and it, was, it, was, it was funny, uh, but not funny. Me and Miller, uh, we were the only experienced people with deliverance. And then uh, there was a ragtag bunch of people who we had trained for 30 minutes a day before. And we uh, we were calling something out and I don't even remember what we were calling out, but it was the second night and a bunch of people came forward. And s- you start to call stuff out and sometimes people start manifesting and we're like pointing to people like, go pray for them. What do I say? Just say, get out in the name of Jesus. And then I went and I prayed for a woman and I don't even remember praying for her. I don't remember anything, but she emailed me uh, last night actually. And she said that for, um, uh, she said that for, Ever since uh, she was a teenager, she had something called harm OCD, which meant that she was obsessive-compulsive about harming herself, harming others, and harming objects. So she would get something new, and uh, her overwhelming thoughts would want to drive her to destroy whatever she had that was new. And uh, she wanted to... Um, she said that she never drove regular speed over a bridge because she was so afraid that she would drive off of it. So she would get in the middle lane of a bridge and speed across them. I knew none of this. She comes up and I start praying for her and God starts doing some stuff and Jesus's name has authority and power and I don't even talk to him afterwards when I'm at a conference. I just move on to the next person and so I had no idea and she emails me all of this. And she says, I got a new phone, and it was on my counter, and there's a hammer next to it, and I didn't think about breaking it. And I thought, awesome. She said, I've been driving over bridges, and I haven't been speeding. And she said, all the voices are gone. She told me, when she was 16, she went to a, a crystal shop. And the proprietor told her, told her mother that she was an angry kid. And she says, I'm not an angry kid, I don't know that. And the, the proprietor said something that's coming up on the list later. She said, um, uh, I, I think Reiki would really help her. Do you wanna make an appointment? The mother says, oh, let me think about it. The mother left and she didn't make the appointment. But about a year later, this woman went back to the shop and had her tarot cards read and had uh, this woman speak over her and into her life. And ever since then, she had had harm OCD. Okay. It's real stuff. It's real stuff. Astrology is bad news, but astrology is like one of the, the, these major counterfeits. Because God says that he's given us the stars, the sun, and the moon for for days and times and seasons. So uh, uh, the ancients really understood this. We don't understand it so much that we track time and days and seasons by the expanse of the heavens. And then Satan just tweaks it and says, no, try to look into the future by looking at it. Try to define your life by the star that that you were birthed under. But you're a Gemini, so you act like this. And you're a Capricorn, so you act like this. Divination. Necromancy. Seances. That's calling on the dead. Mediums. Right before, uh, before he was the host of Family Feud and well-known in, a, in, a, in that realm, Steve Harvey had a show, and he would always bring on this medium. And I do not remember her name for the life of me. I think it starts with a V. I don't know if anybody else remember. Uh, I was there and then it left. Um. <laughs> Sylvia Brown, thank you. Uh, the the V in Sylvia. That's how I got it. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, a- and she would go and she would tell people things that dead people were telling her. And everybody's like, oh, it's a scam. It's fake. And some of it might have been. She might have been cold reading. But some of it was real. Clairvoyance. I'm trying to. I can't tell stories for all of these. Uh, So I have to decide. Uh, Spells and curses. Automatic writing. We sit down with a blank piece of paper and you don't ask the Holy Spirit, but you say, Earth, energy, whatever's out there, come and fill me and speak to me. I will tell you something that I don't know is true, but somebody says it's true. Okay? There's a man. Uh, He is a... Um, a Catholic exorcist, right? So uh, different theology, different methods and methodology, um, but he is a Catholic exorcist. And um, he was casting out a demon. And Catholics, uh, when they're doing exorcism, um, they like to speak to the demon a little bit more uh, than is probably uh, wise. Um, And uh, he was casting one out, and he asked it to identify itself. His name, I- if you wanted to look him up, is um, his last name is uh, Rip- Ripperger. Ripperger. Um, trying to find his first name here really quick. I uh, can't find it. His last name is Ripperger. Uh, you can look it up, and uh, you can just throw in some words. And he was uh, identifying one, and it says, I'm one of the six, is what it said to him. This is what he claims. He said, one of the six? What do you mean? And he said, I'm one of the six that helped J.K. Rowling write Harry Potter. That, that this demon claimed, and yes, they lie sometimes, but I find a lot, they tell the truth more than you would expect. But he said that there were six that came in and she asked to be uh, written through automatically, and that's how it came out. And there are real spells used in that book. Okay? This is witchcraft. It's one area of illegal access, right? New Age is another one. Wicca. Wiccans all over the place. Mother Earth worship. Reiki. I had somebody here at church who knew to stay away from Reiki come up to me and said, hey, I I think God told me I have a Reiki spirit. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, it's not my fault. And I said, how is it not your fault? I didn't really yell at her, but I wanted to. And she said, I was getting a massage. And then what happened is that the person changed the way that they were massaging me and started to do different things to my body. And I think they did Reiki on me. And I said, "Okay, repent, get it out. And it was fine. Be careful. Be careful. But we'll talk about not having fear at the end. Transcendental meditation. This was big when I was a teenager and in my early 20s growing up. Like this was the way that, that people did it illegally. They would, they would do the transcendental um, meditation, uh, lotus position, which I could get in when I was eight, but I'll break something now if I try to, right? <laughs> and that's largely gone out of favor. Why? Because yoga's sprung up, and yoga's how people meditate and illegally access the spiritual realm. Now, I've talked about yoga at length, so I'm not gonna... Do that in, 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 this time. Healing crystals, manifesting the secret. Before she left her show, Oprah was uh, 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 propagating this book called The Secret that proposed that the secret of life was to speak good things out into the universe and they would manifest for you. So you could manifest all these new things and all these new materials and all these great things happening to you if you just let the universe know and the universe would respond. And I have no doubt that that was successful for some people. I have no doubt that they spoke out into the void of the spirit, not in the void of the spiritual realm, but into the spiritual realm, they spoke things out, and something answered and helped them. I have no doubt of that. There's chakras, lining your chakras for healing and energy flow. And these are two that Christians get caught up in. Christ consciousness, where God is in everything. This has uh, been re-pioneered by a man named Richard Rohr, and he's a Catholic, and, and he has gone on and uh, told people that God is in everything and that we are connected to everything in a way that uh, makes us want to worship things rather than worshiping the man and the one who made things. Right? And so that's seeped in. Enneagrams have an occult Base and I've taken an Enneagram. I don't think, uh, and, and so when we look at this, I'm not saying that if you do all of these, you're going to get a demon automatically, right? I'm not saying that at all. I've done the Enneagram and I don't think I need deliverance from when I did it, but I've seen the Enneagram wreak havoc on people's lives because it slots them into a position and says, This is ho- who you are, and you don't have to change for anyone, not even God. And it wreaks access on people. There are false religions. Islam, Mormonism, and you can put this uh, on the side of your notes. I see that my notes ran out, so I'll print extras next week. Um, And if you want a copy, you can just email me and I'll send you out a copy of my notes. Mormonism, and this isn't on the notes, but uh, I've talked about it before, and here's what you have to know, that Mormonism is basically a front for Freemasonry. If you go to the Mormon website, so this is not conspiracy theory, If you go to lds.org, it will tell you Joseph Smith, who founded Mormon religion, 33rd degree Mason. Brigham Young, 33rd degree Mason. All these other founders of the Mormon religion, Freemasons. It's a front for Freemasonry. There's Scientology, who doesn't actually tell the public what they believe. They present this crazy belief system, and then they don't actually tell them what they believe. Buddhism, Hinduism, mostly found through yoga, Jehovah's Witness, Mary Worship, right? And I didn't put Catholicism, I put Mary Worship because there are some tenets of Catholicism that can stand up to biblical scrutiny and then there are others who cannot. Paganism. And I'm going to tell you a story and you guys know that I've embraced the weird and so you could walk away thinking, here, I'm crazy and I'm okay with that. But I'm going to tell you a true story of what happened, okay? Okay? It was Saturday night, and we uh, it was like, it was 11.15, and we were trying to get out of there by 11.30 at night. And this uh, young man comes up to me, and I had met him uh, before uh, at the Remnant Conference in October that I was at, and he came up to me, and we had talked about tattoos and how uh, some tattoos could be blood oaths and offerings, especially because God says, don't tattoo yourself for the dead. So he had a Uh, And see, I have a tattoo. Um, He had a tattoo on the inside of his arm that uh, was in memory of his cousin who had died young. So he had tattooed himself for the dead. Um, And so we prayed through that. And that took about five minutes. And then he said, and I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this other thing. And I said, what is this other thing? And he says, I've been addicted to this game on my phone. And I said, tell me about this game. And he said, um, I said, what's it called? He said, it's called Smite. And I'd never heard of it. And I usually hear about big games. Um, he said, it's called Smite. And I said, well, what do you do? He's all, in Smite, you become a pagan god, and you start to run the world in this video game. And I said, okay. How many gods are you, Are there? He's like, over 100 and I was like, okay. And later on, I looked, I looked up the, the game on the website, didn't play it. And I started to read them. And I was like, oh, yeah, like these are legit, like false gods. It had all the Egyptian gods. And he said, I felt uh, suspicious when I started to recognize real names of Babylonian gods on there. And I said, Okay. And, I'm, and so I'm sitting there and I'm praying and there's another man there who was from New Jersey, but um, he, like, he didn't realize how much he could see until we started doing deliverance stuff and he was seeing stuff and knowing stuff. And so I was like, okay, I've kind of seen this stuff before with some video games. And I just went up to him and I said, in the name of Jesus, and, and sometimes if, if uh, you don't have to know names, you can just uh, s- call it out by how it gained access. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of smite, come out. And I did that for a couple minutes, and then he starts burping. <coughs> I was like, is it gone? He's like, yeah, it's gone. I was like, okay, and I'm going to end the prayer because it's getting late and I'm tired. And my buddy Brandon, who's there with me, says, um, can I say, ask him something? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. He's like, is there three characters that you played with more than any other? And he says, yes he says what are the names and he gave us the names. And I don't remember the names but he gave us the names. And I was like, "Oh, great." I was like, "Okay, first one, uh spirit of whatever it was, Anubis, come out." Come out. Burp, 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 burp. <coughs> gone. I was like, oh, "Okay." So the second one, come out. <coughs> I was like, "Is it gone?" And he said, no. And I said, why isn't it gone? He said, because the character has a dog. And I said, what? I said, what's the dog's name? And he told me the dog's name. And I said, get out and take your dog with you. <laughs> I know how it sounds. I understand. <laughs> it's gone. Third one, gone. We're done. My buddy Brandon opens his mouth again. He says, was there ever like this big fat guy that drank a lot? He's like, yeah, there was. His name was Bacchus. And I was like, ah. It's like, who did you come with? And he says, I came with those people over there. I said, call two over that are going to pray with you when you go home. And he said, okay. And he called them over. And I said, your buddy here uh, I'll call him Jay. His name started with a J. Your buddy Jay here, and he's taller than me. This is why my hand is up here. Um, <laughs> said, your buddy Jay here uh, is going to need a lot of prayer when he goes home. He's going to have to write down every god that he played in in this game, and you're going to have to cast it out. There are over 100. Don't try to do it all in one day. Do it over a series of weeks, right? Because they didn't seem to be bothering him, but he was convicted of it. And so I said, this is how you do it. And I told them to do it. And I said, stop playing video games, Jay, and sent them off. Paganism, pagan gods, real things, real things in the spiritual realm. They are there, right? Odin, not fake. Thor, up there. Whether that's his real name or that's the name that the Nordics gave him and he's actually Ra the Egyptian sun god or I don't know, but paganism is real and it's out there. Unitarianism oh, everything's good, we could all live together, and everybody gets to heaven, and your religion is the same of my religion. And then there's just distortions of Christian teaching, right? Denial of the Trinity, but still trying to call yourself a Christian, right? Cessationism is a false religion. It's a distortion of Christian teaching. So these are all ways that people get illegal access. But what we want to focus on to end here is the reality of legal access. The reality that you and I can have legal access to the spiritual realm. Because immediately after Nadab and Abihu are killed, God gives uh, Moses three steps. And I'm not gonna go through the verses, but he tells him, learn to distinguish between the real and the false. He tells him, you're to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. Know what's good, and know what's bad, and stay away from the bad stuff. So I, I tell you these illegal access points so that you know the bad, stay away from the bad, and go for the good, okay? And this is what he tells Moses to do, and then he tells him, remember the way that you access the presence of God. Through, in verses 12 through 15, he says, remember, this is how you come into my presence. You're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to cut this, and you're supposed to wave it. You're supposed to sprinkle the blood here, and that's how you gain access to the presence of God. And then Moses had told um, uh, 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 Aaron's sons, the brothers of these men, to go and to eat the feast. And they—he goes into the holy place, and they're not eating. And Moses gets mad, and he says, "I told you to eat." And Aaron said, "Look." Basically, he says at the end of Leviticus chapter ten, he says, "Look, we're mourning, and we're not going to go out there. You told us not to go out there. You told us not to present ourselves. You told us not to do these things, and we're not doing these things. But we can't eat right now." And Moses says. Oh, good point. Don't eat. Use wisdom. Moses in that moment is just using his wisdom. Right? The, the, he told him what to do but when he realized that there was something different about the situation, he said, oh, okay. Don't feel like you need to do that right now. Right? The good news of the gospel is the first step into legal access to God. <laughs> the fact that Jesus Christ left his throne in heaven to come down here to inaugurate the kingdom of God, to proclaim himself king, to perform signs and wonders and miracles while living a sinless and blameless life, to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He dies with it. And he comes back righteously resurrected by the power of the Spirit. And then he ascends to the right hand of the Father in all authority. And if we believe, that his death and his resurrection is enough to cleanse us from our sins then he cleanses us from our sins. And that is beautiful because our sins are many. In him, we have redemption through his blood. He forgives us of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Paul here says, the redemption of Jesus forgives you of all your trespasses because God's grace for you is so rich and so big and so huge. And we're seeing the mystery of his will play out right now. And one day, he says, everything that we see and everything that we don't see, whether things are in heaven or on earth, are all going to be united in Jesus. Like he is the fulcrum. He is the the place of connection for everything. And that's good news for you and me. Because we could never do it. We could never bear it. The sacrifice of Jesus makes this way. I've quoted this almost every week in Leviticus. Since we have confidence, brothers, to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. So when uh, Nadab and Avi who walked into the Holy of Holies and were consumed because of Jesus' torn flesh, we walk by his sacrifice and we walk right into the presence of God and we are not consumed. We experience his goodness and his grace and his love and yes, sometimes the refining fire that we sang about. But we're in his presence and we live. And then the Holy Spirit's been given to us so that we can access the Father. Look, this is what Paul says plainly in the next chapter of Ephesians. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You have access to the Father. You have the access to the creator of all things. You have access to the one who tells the waves where to stop. Who Job says knows where the storehouses of snow is. And when he tells the snow to fall and when to stop. He watches every goat on the mountain and he knows your name. It's the ending of Job that you have access in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. And so you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God because you have been given the spirit to access the Father. We are all united as one, as believers in Jesus Christ as Lord. This is immense. And and when the serpent came, to, to Eve, and he said, access this spiritual knowledge. Do it illegally. Do it through disobedience. Right? God wants to redeem that. And so he gives us the voice that's supposed to lead us. The Holy Spirit can speak to us and tell us what we need to know, when we need to know it. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Uh, me and Michael had the pastors there, and we were trying to tell them quickly and explain to them, here's how you do deliverance ministry. And Michael was like, we're just going to practice on one of you. Is that okay? And one guy said, yeah. And he's like, okay. Uh, and this guy had done. He, he later filled me in crazy life, toured in a band, all the stuff that goes along with that, the drugs, the women, all of it, all of this different stuff. And we started praying for him, and Miller was praying for him. He told me to jump in, and I started praying for him. He started to feel this burning in his chest, he said, uh, like it was burning. And he said, I, I said something about that, and I rebuked something there. And here, here's the thing, I don't remember doing that. Right, the Holy Spirit at that time told me what I needed to know in that moment, And I forgot it since. He emailed me yesterday. He said, I've been on heartburn medication for 20 years. I had to take two different types of medication every day, and if I didn't, I could not get through my day. He said, It's Saturday. I haven't taken it for a week. He says, The heartburn's gone, it's not there anymore. And he said that he had to take one thing of Tums yesterday morning, but he thinks it's because he had a really big breakfast that he shouldn't have eaten. But he said any other time he would have eaten that, he would have had to take all of his medication. All because in the moment, God uh, said so, God spoke something, and I said it, again, nothing me. It just like went in and out, and he was healed. The Holy Spirit can tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. All right? And we do not live in fear, but we need to be equipped to battle the enemy. That we don't, look, I, I, do, I, I do a lot of this stuff. I pray with a lot of people, and I don't walk around in fear. And you don't have to walk around in fear either. And I'm not afraid, like I, I hate massages, but I'm not afraid that if I went to a massage that somebody would do something on me, and it would cripple me for life. Because I think that God would tell me, and then I'd just get it taken care of. I, I don't walk in fear. I don't look behind every bush and try to say, is there something there? I don't. You don't either. When I teach on things like this, it's not, it's not to inspire any sort of fear or to glorify the enemy at all. It is so that you are equipped to battle the enemy on your own. So that, so that you have the means by which when the fiery darts come, you know that you have your shield of faith. You know that you have your breastplate of righteousness, that you can walk in the power and the authority that Jesus walked in at the power of his name, everything flees because greater is he who is in you because you are the holy of holies and he is in you than he that is in the world. And so we don't don't live in this way where we're saying, I can't do anything, I can't do anything. No, we live walking around saying, I'm gonna do everything that God's told me I can do. I'm not going to step to the right or to the left. It's about the equipping. Because now may the God of peace, as the writer of Hebrews is, uh, is uh, ending in chapter 13. Uh, he says, now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Right, the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Who's Jesus? The great shepherd of his sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will. The prayer of the writer of Hebrews is saying, because the God, because the God, Ray, the God of peace raised up Jesus, who is the great shepherd. Now you, by the blood of this eternal covenant, you. You go and you're equipped to do everything that he wants you to do. Right? He's never going to ask you to do something (laughs) that you can do on your own. So if you're just like, I think God is telling me to do this, and it's something you could do completely on your own, that's probably something that you already knew you should have been doing. Like, let's just be real. Right? You knew you should have been doing it, you hadn't been doing it. And now it's like, I feel like God's really telling me to get into his word more. Did you need God to tell you that? He might have. He might have. He might have illuminated in that moment. He probably did. But you didn't need him to tell you that. You want to know when God's wanting to equip you for something? is when he tells you to do something that you know that there is no way in heck that you could do. And then that gets confirmed by someone else. And he confirms it another way. You're like, oh, I'm supposed to do this? This is way bigger than me. I can't do it. How am I going to do it? Well, the writer of Hebrews would say, no, you've been equip- equipped with every good thing that you may do as well. So when he asks you to do those big things, you can do it so that we can work what is just pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So be equipped to know, to understand the battle tactics of the enemy and how to Sidestep them. How do you sidestep them? By turning to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will tell you most of the time if you're listening. Hey, you might not wanna do that. And then we do it. And then the next time, the voice just isn't as loud because we've built up this little bit of a wall. Hey, you might not wanna do that. Uh, eh, it's okay. Right. Sidestep this. Repent where you've gone astray and come back, be equipped. Stand with me. Have you believed that the good news of the gospel is your way to God? Have you said, I trust in Jesus. I trust in him. I trust him. I trust him. Trust that his death and his resurrection were enough. Is there anything you need to repent of in this sphere? Do you look at the lists that I put out up there? And you say, ah, I've done that. Probably shouldn't have done that. Repent. How do I repent? Father, forgive me by the blood of Jesus for legally accessing the spiritual realm by doing the practice of this. Father, forgive me for believing the lies of false religion and specifically the false religion of Islam, Jehovah Witness, whatever it is. Father, I ask that the blood of Jesus would cover that sin and separate me from the, the repercussions of that sin once and for all, and I'll never go back. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's how you repent. Not always, sometimes it's a long and drawn out thing, but sometimes it's not. And finally, how do you how can God continue to equip you? Like, in which ways do you want God to grow you so that you can be equipped to fight all the battles that you run into, right? Like, most of you probably aren't going to run into a guy that's been playing a video game for 4,000 hours over the course of three years and has been, mess, been messed with by some pagan gods, right? That's not going to be like a normal grocery store encounter, probably, but everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, God wants to equip you for whatever battle needs to be fought in that moment at that time. You don't know when you're going to when you're going to walk into like the midst of an ongoing battle. Right? If there are things happening in the spiritual realm and there's battles happening already, you don't know when you're gonna walk into it. You don't know when it's gonna confront you. But if you're equipped as you go in and then you're attentive to the Spirit, giving you what you need in the moment that you need it, then you'll be okay. So how do you want God to continue to equip you? How do you want that to to play itself out for you? Father, you are so good. Ask that the Holy Spirit would come. God, we rest, we rest our hope on Jesus Christ. Father, all my hope is rested on your grace. Because, Father, without your grace, I am stuck, I am dead. I am, I am beyond hope, but your grace has made a way for me to come to the Father Father, continue to speak. Father. Just let your presence rest here. Okay, this is strange. That's okay. Um Uh, there's a few things that we want to pray for specifically Um, these first two you can come up after the service after we're done singing Um, there will be a couple people up here to pray if you've had uh, a condition called trigger finger um, like for you to come out or if there's something wrong with your trigger finger um, you can come up if somebody is having issues with their throat or their tonsils um you can come up and we'd like to pray for you. If you have, if you have, I don't, I don't know, if you have Russian, if you're of Russian descent and uh, God might have been highlighting to you uh, that there might be some generational cleanup that needs to be happen because of your Russian descent, um, please come meet, see me specifically um, before the end of the service. So we have trigger finger throats, tonsils, Russian descent, and you think that there might be some, some stuff back there. God, as we, as we just sing right now as one voice to proclaim your glory is the exceedingly uh, glorious nature of who you are, Lord. Would you, uh, would you meet with us? In Jesus' name, amen.
4: I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every dark starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn like a fire I just want to speak the name all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression, depression.
3: thank you that in some transference in the spiritual realm that we cannot fully comprehend yet but we will one day that we are seated right now with Jesus in the heavenly places according to the word of God so that same thing that same authority and that same power that Jesus has at the right hand we have access to it because of Jesus so let us leave proclaiming Jesus from every every place within us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 Oh. Tell him your struggle and then say his name. Tell him your fear and then say his name. Tell him the places where you've lost hope and then say his name. Jesus, we proclaim your name, your power, your glory. Father, let us leave here willing and able to be equipped and used by you for your kingdom. glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you for going into strange places with me. I count myself lucky. God bless. We'll see you next week.